0: You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page, and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. And On today's episode of the podcast, we are reviewing the second Ashes Test from Lords between England and Australia. And what a test match it was. Another exciting test match to uh, leave us with suspense and anticipation of what's to come for the remaining three test matches of this Ashes series. But what a test match it was. Ben Stokes nearly did the unthinkable again like he did four years ago at Headingley, but Australia were able to get the job done, and they were able to win and lead 2-0 in this Ashes series. Only one Test win away from retaining the Ashes and winning their first Ashes series in England since 2001. But on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the second Test. A lot's happened in this second Test. We've seen some fantastic performances with the bat and with the ball, but also um, a lot of tension, a lot of heat. Um, There was a lot of controversies that happened. In this second test match, which have been well publicised and well documented in the following hours and following day of this um, second test from Lord, So we're going to be talking about how both England and Australia went about things and preview the third Ashes test from um, Headingley, which sure to be another exciting test match. But before we all do that, um, let's have a look at the match summary. From the second Ashes Test here at Lords between England and Australia. Australia batted first and made 416 all out in their first innings. Steve Smith uh, top scored with 110. And Ollie Robinson and Josh Tung took three wickets each for England. England replied in their first innings, 325 all out. Uh, ben Duckett top scored with 98. And Mitchell Starr took three wickets for Australia. Australia in their second innings were all out for 279. Usman Khawaja top scored with 77. And Stuart Broad took four wickets for England. England, they needed 371 runs to win. They were bowled out for 327. Ben Stokes top scored with 155. Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark took three wickets each for Australia. Australia won by 43 runs. And they lead 2-0 in this Ashes series, and Steve Smith was named player of the match. So that's the match summary, and that's how the match panned out at, um, here at Lords for this second Ashes Test. Now, what were the key moments and key factors from this second Ashes Test between England and Australia at Lords? Well, Australia scoring 416 in their first innings under overcast conditions after losing the toss was very pivotal in terms of them uh, going on to win this Test match. Um, Australia bowling out England for 325, which enabled Australia to have a 91-run lead after England were won for 188 and were in a strong dominant position. Australia scoring 279 all out in their second innings, which saw them set England 371 runs to win. Steve Smith dropping Ben Stokes On 114, when England needed 122 runs to win, that could have been the game, and that was a very key moment in the match. It could have decided this match, and um, that was a very costly mistake from Steve Smith. The partnerships of 132 for the fifth wicket between Stokes and Duckett and 108 for the seventh wicket between Stokes and Broad were key partnerships for England in their run chase of 371, which gave England a chance to win this test match but the biggest key moment and the biggest moment in this match especially in the run chase was josh hazelwood dismissing ben stokes for 155 decided the test match which saw australia to victory by 43 runs and a 2-0 series lead that was the big moment in the match australia dismissing stokes and that pretty much decided how this test match panned out and those were the key moments and key factors from this second ashes test between England and Australia from Lords. Now let's talk about both um, England and Australia's performances in this second Ashes Test at Lords with both bat and ball. And first of all, let's talk about England and their performance um, across um, this Test match with both bat and ball. First of all, let's start with their batting and let's uh, let's talk about their batters and their performance in the second Ashes Test. Uh, so Crawley forty-eight and three, Duckett ninety-eight and eighty-three, uh, Pope forty-two and three, Root ten and eighteen, Brook fifty and four, uh, Stokes seventeen and one hundred and fifty-five, and Bairstow sixteen and ten. That's how the England batters performed across the two innings of this second Ashes Test. Um, let's talk about how they performed at both innings. Starting with the first innings, uh, chasing four hundred and sixteen in the first innings. After winning the toss and choosing to bowl first wasn't ideal for England. Uh, They were in a strong dominant position at 1 for 188, but were bowled out for 325. It didn't handle the Australian short ball plan all that well, gifting wickets away, going hard at the short ball, which brought about their undoing. And um, from a very dominant position, um, England were very behind in this test match, trailing by 91 runs on the first innings. The second innings, the run chase, they needed 371 runs to win. That was always going to be difficult for England. But they have done the unthinkable before. During this baseball era, they have been able to chase down big targets. Uh, they got off to a bad start, though. They lost four for 45. Du- uh, Stokes and Duckett added 132 for the fifth wicket. Getting England out of some sort of trouble. Um, obviously, um, England... Uh, was still behind in this test match in the run chase at 6 for 193. That's when Johnny Bairstow was dismissed. Obviously controversial in terms of his dismissal uh, without stumping of Kerry. So when he departed, there was 6 for 193. Still needing 178 runs to win. Now you would have thought at that stage England were almost gone. But with Ben Stokes at the crease, um, England had hope. And that belief that he could pull off. What he did at Headingley four years ago. Um, Stokes, after that, flicked the switch. And he went ballistic. He added 108 for the seventh wicket with Stuart Broad to give England hope. And Stokes sort of repeating his Headingley heroics. Unfortunately, that was short-lived. And Stokes was dismissed for 155. And the game was good as gone. And England all out for 327, falling 43 runs short. And trailing 2-0 in this Ashes series, which is a very difficult position to be in for England. So that's how England went about things across the two innings. Um, Their batting has been heavily talked about in this test match again, um, especially in the first innings with the short ball, and how they went about things with the Australian short ball tactics, which they didn't handle all that well, let's be honest. But England were in a very dominant position, and they threw it away. Um, You know, at 1 for 188, they were well in control of this test match um they had a a good start in their first innings Uh, crawley and duckett added 91 for the first wicket and then obviously duckett and pope added 97 for the second wicket so they were cruising along in a dominant position australia looked like um you know sort of on the back foot a little bit there but then england with the short ball as soon as australia went to the short ball tactics knowing that this pitch is not offering much If you pitch the ball up on this pitch, it's not gonna swing or seam or do anything. Ideal batting conditions for England. The sun was out, baking the pitch. Good batting conditions, not a cloud in the sky. And they weren't able to capitalize on that, England. And um, they didn't handle the short ball barrage by Australia. Australia set uh, the field for for short pitch bowling. Unfortunately for England, they weren't able to capitalize on those opportunities they gave their wickets away. There was some very ordinary shots played, especially Harry Brooke. Um, you know, he got 50 and then he got out by playing the short ball. He sort of backed away and sort of played like a baseball shot or something like that. And he was heavily criticised for that. Um, as most of the England batters were with their dismissals. And, and it was a, a very poor uh, sort of uh, little period there for England. Um, just surrendering uh, a position of... A dominance in this test match And as I mentioned They were being reckless and gifting their wickets away To the short ball But it was a big opportunity If they got to parity It would have put a lot of pressure on Australia To bat well in the third innings And they could have won this test match uh, But unfortunately They weren't able to capitalise on that Look what happened All out for You know 325 Uh Conceding 91 runs for a lead in the first innings, which is which is not good. Um, and obviously, with with Australia losing Nathan Lyon, it was an opportunity for England to grind the the Australian bowlers down to to the ground. Um, obviously, the England bowlers have been um, bowling a lot of overs in this Test match because the Australian batters have been putting the overs in their legs but it was an opportunity for England to do that to Australia knowing that Nathan Lyon injured his calf Australia were a bowler down essentially, only 10, 10 players in the team and they let, let it slip, so I think that's the big difference for England across the first two test matches they haven't been able to win the key moments with the bat and at times by playing this basketball mentality they sort of become a little bit reckless and they sort of lose their way and they don't really play smart cricket and that's what happened on in their first innings of this second test here at Lords. Perfect opportunity to to get back in this test match. They weren't able to capitalize on it. Um, I thought Ben Duckett was pretty good for England. I think he was one of England's best batters in this test match. 98 and 83 in both innings. Um, he had a, an important role to play in the run chase um, for England. He shared a. A pretty good partnership of 132 for the fifth wicket in the run chase with um, with Ben Stokes. And he looked pretty comfortable, um, Ben Duckett. His Lords record in test matches has been pretty good. Obviously scored 180-odd against Ireland in the, in the test match here at Lords recently. And now this test match against Australia, 98 and 83, is pretty good. Um, obviously a little bit of vulnerability there with Duckett with the short ball. Uh, Got out to it twice in this test match. And that's something that Australia may target going forward uh, in the last three test matches. Uh, Just finding a little bit of a weakness there with Duckett. He does take it on, as most of the England batters do. But he batted well. He batted comfortably. Um, Obviously disappointed not to get probably two centuries in the match because he was well on track to do that. Uh, Unfortunately, a little bit of a brain fade and got out to the short ball. Uh, and, and didn't really play those shots really well. And he was out, and that brought about his undoing. But I thought he was one of the best batters for England in this Test match. And the man of the hour, we've got to talk about Ben Stokes, 155, of 214 balls. Is there anything this, this guy can't do? Um, he's just a freak. He is an unbelievable cricketer. Regardless if you like Ben Stokes or not, or you support England or support Australia, you've got to admire... What we saw on day five was one of the best innings that you will ever see in a run chase. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to get England over the line. But Ben Stokes, we all know what he did four years ago at Headingley. I think many Australian supporters watching the game in the early hours of the morning in Australia, like myself, uh, were watching this and saying, Oh dear, here we go again. It's going to be Headingley 2019 all over again. And Ben Stokes is going to get them over the line. Unfortunately, he didn't. Australia were able to get him out this time, unlike at Headingley. But um, it was a great innings nonetheless. He kept calm. He composed himself. He didn't let the moment get to him. Um, He sort of did what he did at Headingley four years ago. He did exactly the same thing here at Lords, and he played some great cricketing shots. He took on the short ball. He dispatched the Australian bowlers over the stands for six. And he had a bit of luck along the way as well. Um, he was dropped four times, Ben Stokes. He was dropped on 77. It was a caught and bold chance by Cummins. It was a tough chance. Uh, Mitchell Stark uh, dropped him on 88. He parried it over the rope for six. Steve Smith, that that big moment in the game, Uh, he was dropped on 114. And then Alex Carey dropped him on 114 down the leg side. So he had a bit of luck, Ben Stokes, but unfortunately he made a mistake and he Hit one in the air and Josh Hazelwood got him out and good catch by Alex Carey. Um, But obviously with him at the crease, England still had hope. They believed that as long as Ben Stokes is here, we are going to win this test match. And he batted really well. And I thought the partnerships that he had with Duckett, um, 132 for the fifth wicket and 108 for the seventh wicket with Broad... Um, with very good partnerships for England in terms of trying to get them closer to this uh, 371 target. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But for Ben Stokes, you know, he just has this ability just to to do these sort of things in run chases. It was an incredible innings to watch. But uh, I think many Australian supporters would be glad this time around Australia were able to get the job done and get him out. Unlike what happened four years ago, as I mentioned, at Headingley. But... um, it was an incredible innings. Australia were able to change their plans a little bit towards him um, and, and bowl it wide outside off stump. And in the end, he took the bait and and he was out. So, But an incredible innings nonetheless from Ben Stokes. And, and obviously this Test match is going to be remembered for, for the controversies that happened. We're not going to go into those because they're pretty much well documented and I don't see what the point is about talking about them now. But... Hopefully, that doesn't mar what we saw from Ben Stokes in terms of his performance, because I think he's the only person in world cricket that can do this, especially in a run chase. And we witnessed some greatness. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. And when he got out, the disappointment on his face said it all. Um, As they say, a picture paints a thousand words... And by looking at Ben Stokes when he was kneeling down, looking at the ground after he got dismissed, he knew that, that that was pretty much the game. And he gave it his all. He gave it 100%. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But a great innings. But to finish off about England's bashing, you know, a little little bit of lacking cricket, cricket smarts. They need to be a lot smarter. They need to win those key moments with the bat. Uh, they had a golden opportunity at 1 for 188. They didn't grasp it. They didn't take it. And um, that's the thing with this Baz Ball sort of mentality is that they can be a little bit reckless at times. Also, they're going to get bombarded by the short ball again by Australia for the remainder of the series, and I think vice versa for Australia's batters as well. Um, So um, it's definitely exposed some sort of deficiencies with their technique, especially when playing the short ball. So England's batting... Uh, Yet again, the same old problems, um, gifting wickets away and not really being smart with their batting. Now, let's talk about their bowling and how the bowlers performed across the two innings of this uh, test match for England. Uh, Two wickets for Root, a wicket for Stokes, five wickets for Broad, uh, five wickets for Robinson, five wickets for Tongue, and two wickets for James Anderson. That's how the England bowlers went about things in this second Ashes Test from Lords. Um, in the first innings, they won the toss, chose to bowl first under grey overcast conditions, but they didn't capitalise in those conditions. They bowled really poorly, they weren't at their best, they looked a little bit flat, all the energy was sapped out of them after that incredible test match at Edge Edgebastion. Um, they t- just didn't turn up, they were flat, they conceded 416 runs in the first innings and and that really set England back in this test match. Whenever you bowl first, you've got to take early wickets. You've got to bowl the opposition out probably no more than 250 maybe. And they weren't able to do that. They conceded a lot of runs and they didn't utilize the bowling conditions. I think England had the best of the bowling conditions compared to Australia, who had to bowl uh, when the sky was you know, clear and, and the sun shining. And England had the opportunities... Um, you know to make some good inroads in that first innings, but they weren't able to do it. In the second innings, they conceded a 91-run lead headed into the second innings. The bowlers were under pressure to to try and minimise Australia's lead and target that England were going to chase down in the second innings. They managed to bowl Australia out for 279, um, and Australia uh, were bowled out. Uh, so that was a pretty good effort from England's bowlers. They employed the short ball tactics, just like Australia did in their... Uh, first innings for England, um, and it proved to be effective. Obviously, both teams struggled with the short ball ploy. England employed it, and uh, it paid off. So that's how they went about things across the two innings. Um, There's still some concerns with England's bowling. Um, As I mentioned, didn't bowl well on day one in ideal conditions. They looked unaffected again at times. The Australian batters weren't really troubled by them at times. Um, I thought Josh Tung who came in uh, for this test match uh, basically replacing Mo and Ali. Um, I thought he bowled pretty well. He bowled some good deliveries in the first innings to Warner and Kowaja, and he bowled well in the second innings. Um, also, he got the wicket of Steve Smith, I believe. Yes, he did. Um, so that's not a bad wicket to have in your wickets column. Um, so, I, And also, he had that extra pace as well. Uh, compared to the other England bowlers, Tongue has that little bit of extra pace Uh, which proved to be effective. Um, Obviously, James Anderson looked out of sorts again. He really struggled. Um, Not really effective on these types of surfaces. There's been a lot of talk about him um, in this series thus far. Not really looking at his best, uh, and probably he may miss out the next test at Headingley um, and probably play at Old Trafford at his home ground for the fourth test. Um, Stuart Broad was pretty poor in the first innings, but he bowled... OK in the second innings, mainly to the short ball ploy that he got his four wickets with. Ollie Robinson, yeah, even though he took some wickets, but he was pretty poor again, uh, pretty down on pace. And and the problem with England bowlers is the fatigue. How much of a toll, especially in the second innings, how much of a toll it will take on their bowlers, on their bodies, bowling short ball after short ball, which they did. I think a stat from, from this test match, they bowled 98% of their deliveries were short in the second innings to Australia. That takes a lot out of you as a bowler, and you've got to remember that the second Test match here at Lords and the third Test at Headingley. It's a very short turnaround. It's only three-day break, um, so they will definitely need to rotate their bowlers. But that's a concern for England. They still have some cracks in their bowling, um, and you know, by the end of the series, their bowlers may be cooked. So, a lot of concern still for England with their bowling. They weren't at their best in this Test match. The first innings pretty much let them down with the ball. They, they weren't really switched on. They didn't have the energy. They didn't have the zip. Um, and that's where they pretty much um, sort of let their opportunity slip. They won the toss. They didn't make the most of it. And that goes back to, to the series thus far. They haven't won key moments. And they haven't capitalised on key moments. And Australia have capitalised on key moments. And that's why England are two down in the series. So it'll be interesting to see how their bowlers perform, especially going into the third test at Headingley. Uh, but they've got a lot of work to do. So that's England's performance in this uh, test match with both bat and ball. And let's talk about Australia's performance with both bat and ball in this uh second Ashes test from Lords. So let's start with the batters, first of all, and their performance. Uh, Warner, 66 and 25. Kawaja, 17 and 77. Labashain, 47 and 30. Smith, 110 and 34. Travis Head, uh, 77 and 7. Green, 0 and 18. And Carey, uh, 22 and 21. That's how the Australian batters went about things in this test match. Let's talk about their performance across the two innings. Well, they were sent in under grey skies, friendly bowling conditions, and, and I thought Australia did well to handle those conditions. They, they were all out for 416. Uh, but I thought the opening partnership between Khawaja and and David Warner of 73 set the tone for Australia. It set the foundation. And they were able to see off the England bowlers in that first session on day one. And also the partnerships of 102 for the third wicket between Smith and Labuschagne, 118 for the fourth wicket between Smith and Travis Head, contributed nicely to Australia scoring 416. Um, in the second innings, um, they gained a lead of 91 runs. They bowled well to dismiss England for 329. And um, they were... Eight, uh, sorry, 325. They dismissed England for the first innings. Um, and they were able to get a lead of 91 runs. And they scored 279 runs all out. 371 was a good target in the end. Um, they struggled against the England short ball, Barrage. Um, a few of them got out to the short ball, didn't quite play the short ball all that well. But um, that's how Australia batted uh, across the two innings, and that's how they performed in this Test match. Um, Australia's batting. Is there still room for improvement? Absolutely. I don't think Australia's batters have quite hit their straps in this series thus far. they put in some good performance, some of them, but they can get better and they can really dominate. And uh, We haven't seen that yet. Um, they missed a chance, especially in the first innings. They missed an opportunity to score 450-500. I, I thought they left a few runs out there. Um, there was a bit of a stat that the last few wickets for Australia only conjured up 100 runs, so... If The last few wickets, when they went down, um, Australia scored 100 runs for 108 balls. And that's not really good enough. You can't be letting opportunities slip like that. You've got to really cash in when you're really on top. And for Australia in this series, they've got to take every opportunity that comes their way, especially when they have England on the ropes, which they did in that first innings, because England didn't bowl well, Australia batted well, got through those difficult conditions. And they weren't able to cash in and get a score of, 450-500. 450-500. So that's something that Australia needs to look at going forward. Also, the other thing about gifting wickets away. Now, obviously, in the second innings, a lot of the batters struggled against the short ball. England bowlers were bowling short, and, they were, and unfortunately for the Australian batters, uh, they were out to the short ball. But that's what happened to England in the first innings as well. So both teams struggled with the short ball ploy, but they need to find a way to uh, get through that difficult period, if England go short, especially in the next test at Headingley. Um, Also playing rash shots as well. Late on day one, Travis Head advancing down the wicket, getting stumped by Joe Root, and then Cameron Green hitting a ball up in the air off Joe Root and getting caught at mid-on and getting out for a duck was a little bit disappointing. Um, And and maybe something that Australia need to, to look at, and especially Travis Head, and maybe Cameron Green need to look at that themselves, and And probably say, right, we need to be better in that. You can't be gifting wickets away easily. Travis Head was really batting well. He should have scored a century. He didn't. He advanced down the wicket to Joe Root, who's an okay off-spinner. But obviously, in this test match, he was uh, the only spinner that England selected. Because Moe and Alley didn't play. Um, So something that they need to work on there, Australia. But some of the positives that I liked, I think Australia produced more intent with the bat. I think there was more positive intent with the batting side of things for Australia compared to the tested edge bastion. There was some good signs in terms of the positive intent. They scored at a good run rate. 4.13 runs per over was pretty good for Australia in their first innings, uh, which pretty much uh, got the momentum they needed in uh, in this first innings. And they were able to score quickly. And uh, that was a good sign, especially going forward for the remainder of the series. A good sign for them that they have good positive intent with the bat and really grinding the England bowlers down to the ground. Um, Let's talk about Steve Smith. I thought he was superb um, in this Test match. 110. He would be disappointed to get out for 110. It's another century at the home of cricket. Um, Obviously, in 2015, he got a double century here in that Ashes series. Um, he loves batting here at Lords. He's got a pretty good record. 32 test entries now. Um, fastest to that milestone in terms of innings, um, surpassing Ricky Ponning's record. Um, he missed out at Edge Bastion, but it's not very often that Steve Smith misses out twice. And he was determined for a big score. The way he came out and played his innings was good. I, I love the positive intent from Smith. He was looking to score quickly. Um he got going in his innings and then he backed it off a bit and I think that's what Steve Smith does all the time he he plays erratically up up front in his um, innings and then he just backs it off a little bit and he gets into his own bubble and and does his thing and he did that in this um, in this test match so obviously for Steve Smith the next test match at Headingley will be his 100th test match and To play 100 test matches is a proud achievement in itself. And for Steve Smith, um, it's been a very good career. Um, So hopefully for Smith, he can continue on scoring runs for Australia for the remainder of the series. Um, Ominous signs for England that Steve Smith is starting to find his groove. Not quite the dominant series like in 2019, but, you know, he's still a very good player nonetheless. Um... Usman Khawaja, I thought he was fantastic again, Usman Khawaja, especially in the second innings. He scored 77, uh, but he held the innings together, uh, like he did at Edge Bastion in the first innings when he scored the 100, but also in the second innings as well during the run chase at Edge Bastion. did the same thing here at Lords in the second innings. Uh, good to see Usman Khawaja scoring runs, um, and he's going to be very important for Australia going forward for the remainder of the series, but... I thought he was good again. David Warner was... I liked what I saw from David Warner. Uh, 66 he made in the first innings. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, and 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 for him, um, he's been under pressure. But we've seen some good signs from David Warner in this um, first couple of test matches of this series. So hopefully for him, he can continue on scoring runs and, and doing his role for the team. So good to see David Warner starting to... To get some fluency and get some runs with his batting. Uh, I thought Travis Head was good again. 77 he made in the first innings. Missed out at the second innings, obviously. But uh, the way he took on uh, the England bowlers in the first innings was pretty good. I think for Travis Head, sometimes I think just a little bit more smartness from him. As we mentioned about that dismissal with Joe Root. Advancing down the wicket. Getting out stumped. You know, he didn't need to do that. Just work it in the gap for one or two. Uh, they had the field set for that, especially off the spinner. It's um, so just a little bit more smartness from Travis Head. I love the way he plays. He takes games away from the opposition. He pretty much did that on day one. 77 off 73 is a pretty good, pretty good innings. Uh, but he could have got a big century. And and that's the thing with Travis Head. Just a little bit more smartness when it comes to the batting at times. But obviously, the way he's playing Trav Ball... Um, Pretty good, and long may that continue for the rest of the series. Uh, but Cameron Green was um, disappointing. The first innings dismissal was poor when he got out for a duck, hit it straight up in the air to uh, mid-on off Joe Root. Uh, the second innings, I thought he did okay. Um, he grinded it out with a short ball ploy by England, but unfortunately his patience ran out and he played a, a pull shot and hit it straight down the fielder's throat at deep square leg. Uh, so he'll be disappointed with how he's gone about things with the bats so far, Cameron Green. Uh, he'll be hoping for a few more runs. Alex Carey, yet again, I think Carey, uh, Carey was good. Um, his keeping was fantastic, as we know. He's done well in the first two Test matches. He's caught about everything that's just come his way. Um, his batting's been good. He's made some good contributions. Didn't make big scores in this Test match, 22 and 21. But still, he's he's doing his job at number 7. Uh, with the bat, but also as the keeper as well. He's doing a fantastic job. And um, obviously great game awareness from him to stump Bairstro, uh, which has created a lot of debate. Uh, but under the laws, um, it's it, it's out. Um, so good cricketing awareness here from Kerry. So the Australian batters, they haven't quite hit their straps yet, but we've seen some good performances from them in this series. If they can tidy up a few areas, not giving away wickets easily. And also when they're in a position of dominance, make sure you push that dominance further. Make sure you you pretty much put your foot down on the accelerator and really cash in on those periods of dominance. Um, so if Australia can do that, then uh, they're going to be hard to stop as a batting group. Let's talk about their bowlers and how they performed across the two innings. Um, Smith, no wickets, uh, two wickets for head. Two wickets for Green, uh, six wickets for Stark, four wickets for Cummins, a wicket for Lyon, and five wickets for Hazelwood. And that's how the Australian bowlers performed in the second Ashes test from Lords. Let's talk about how they performed across the two innings. Uh, They did well to bowl England out for 3.25 in the first innings to gain a lead of 91 runs was pretty good. They wrestled the momentum back after England were 1 for 188. Um, and it was very good to see them employ the short ball tactic, which was effective. The second innings, defending three seventy one to win, uh, started well. Had England fall down for forty five, uh, but a repeat of Headingley was on the cards with Ben Stokes taking it to Australia. Australia lost it at one stage. They weren't able to re, they weren't able to stop the flow of runs. They weren't able to stop Ben Stokes scoring runs, and it looked a little bit dicey there for a minute. But they regrouped after the lunch break, um, hit their straps in the second innings, uh, sorry, second session, and they were able to dismiss Stokes and bowl England out for 3.25 and win the Test match by 43 runs and to lead 2-0 in the series. Um, so that's how Australia performed with the ball across the two innings. Yes, there's still room for improvement, just like with the batting, I think there is with Australia's bowlers, uh, but what I saw in this Test match at times was some good signs from the Australian bowlers, and and um, it was pretty good to see. Um, they used the short ball well in this match, and, and that's what we haven't seen from Australia in the first test match at Edgebastion. We haven't seen them test the England batters with the short ball. But in the first innings of this test here at Lords, the second test, they employed the short ball tactics in the first innings, and it worked. It created opportunities, and they were able to take wickets, and they were able to... Uh, slowed the scoring down from England for a change in this series. Um, and and during the run chase as well, um, the run chase, bowling uh, to try and win a test match, try and take 10 wickets to win, they were severely handicapped because of Nathan Lyon not being able to take part, obviously, because of the calf injury that he sustained. But I think... The Australian bowlers they did well to to take the ten wickets and and to um, to win this Test match in the end because it was going down to the wire and they did find it tough with the ball uh, during this um, this run chase but um, for the first time of the series they were able to 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 put some sort of pressure on England with the top order. Now we've seen in this series thus far England have got off to good starts and Australia haven't been able to capitalise and take early wickets. But what we saw in this uh, second test here at Lord's, they were able to take them four down for 45, which was a fantastic saga. I thought Cummins and Stark and that opening spell um, on day four, just after T really set the turn. Uh, you know, Mitchell Stark, that delivery he bowled to... Uh, just trying to remember who it was. Uh, that delivery he bowled to Ollie Pope, um, which clean-bowled him through the gate, um, knocked over the middle stump out of the ground. And that's Mitchell Stark at his best, and he looked pretty on Mitchell Stark, and I think it was a good selection to bring him back in for the second test. And then Pat Cummins to take two wickets of the over. He got rid of Joe Root with an absolute beauty of a short ball, which Root fended off, and it went straight to David Warner at first slip. And then the follow-up delivery to, to Harry Brook, you know, hitting the top of off stump. That's just classical... Uh, bowling there from Pat Cummins and that really set the turn for Australia um, and and they were under pressure in the run chase. Ben Stokes was really going hard at them um, and I think Australia, the short balls that, that Australia bowled in the second innings weren't really accurate enough. They weren't really challenging Stokes. They weren't really challenging Duckett and even to that fact um, probably Stuart Broad because the short balls weren't really accurate enough and it does take a lot out of you when you bowl short balls and both teams have done that in this um, in this Test match, obviously, because there's nothing in the wicket. The wicket was slow. There was nothing at all. Um, if you pitched the ball up, it didn't swing or seam. There was nothing. The surface was absolutely dead. Um, but they were able to um, hold their nerve and take wickets, and I think that's and I think that's the difference with Australia compared to the other games that they've lost. I think everyone remembers what happened four years ago at Headingley and what happened at the Gabba when Richard, Richard Pant went off and India won that test match. Um, I think Australia have learned their lessons from those two games. How can we deal with the pressure better? Uh, they looked a little bit rattled when Stokes was going off, um, you know, hitting runs. You know, He dispatched all the bowlers. They bowled short. He was able to hit them for sixes. And the momentum was slowly slipping away. But I think the quality that Pat Cummins has as a leader compared to uh, What happened in those two games? I mentioned the game at the Gabra against India and obviously Headingley in 2019 is that Australia were were panicking and, and they weren't really calm It's very important to be calm in high-pressure moments and just take the pace out of the game And that's what Pat Cummins did every time the camera panned on Pat Cummins's face. He was calm He wasn't flustered. He wasn't throwing his arms up in the air he wasn't, um, he wasn't concerned. He knew that if we remain calm, we stick to our plans, we get a wicket here, we get rid of Stokes, then the game would turn pretty quickly, and that's what happened. So for Australia to win this test match in the way they did, I think it's a good sign for Australia going forward, knowing that we can win in these high-pressure situations, whereas in the past, we haven't been able to get the job done what happened four years ago at Headingley, and what happened at the Gabba against India with Rishad Pant. And they were able to get the job done. They regrouped. I think I think when Stokes was teen off, I think the lunch break came at a good time for Australia. Just to regroup, reset. They changed their plans to Stokes. They bowled a lot wider of him outside of his off stump. And Stokes hit one up in the air and finally got out. Um, which, which was which was good for Australia. They were finally able to get the job done. So I think for Australia, it's good for them to win in this sort of way um, and to really, you know, be able to win in these high-pressure moments, whereas they haven't done done it before in the two games I mentioned previously. Um, also for Australia, there were some drop chances in the field. They dropped Ben Stokes four times. Um, obviously, the biggest one was Steve Smith, dropping him on 114, but they also dropped Stokes on 77, caught and bowled by Cummins. It was a tough chance. Mitchell Stark dropped him for 88, um, and that went over the rope for six. Alex Carey dropped one when he was on 114 down the leg side. So I think something for Australia just to, to work on there is making sure they, they hold on to their chances, and and obviously the Steve Smith drop. I think everyone thought, oh, dear, that's probably the, probably going to be the game right there. But thank goodness Josh Hazelwood was able to get him out. Um, and um, Australia were able to win the game. So Australia's bowling, there's still some areas to work on, but I think the bowling group, without Nathan Lyon in the side, he would have been a very big big, um, big bowler for Australia in this uh, second innings, obviously. But obviously with him not bowling because of the calf injury, I think Australia did really well to take 10 wickets and were able to wrestle the momentum back and, and, and were able to... Um, win this test match. So for Australia, with the batting and bowling, there's still areas to improve on, but I think Pat Cummins will be a very happy captain, as will many of the Australian supporters, knowing that Australia are up. Um, they only need to win win one more test match to re- retain the Ashes and win the series outright. Um, so I think the Australian team, they will look at this and say, yep, yeah, we've got some areas to work on with both bat and ball, but uh, they should be very happy with their efforts in this test match here at Lord's. Now, let's preview the third te- uh, third Ashes test from Headingley and um, talk about both teams' stats here at Headingley in terms of test matches, but also predict the potential 11s for both teams going into this uh, Headingley test match. But first of all, let's have a look at the uh, the test match stats between England and Australia here at Headingley. Now, the first test match played... Between the two countries here at Headingley was back in 1899. 25 matches, eight of them have been drawn. England have won eight, and Australia have won nine. Um, so that's the head to head record there. And let's start with England and their predicted 11. Their potential 11 for the third test. Now, obviously, with a short turnaround, both teams will have to rotate their players, especially their bowling attacks. The break between the second and third test matches here is only a three-day break. So there's not much time to rest and recuperate after what was a very draining test match at Lord's, which went down to the wire on day five. Now, for England, they do have some injury concerns. Olly Pope injured his shoulder during the second test, um, and obviously uh, some other possible changes with their bowling attack in terms of the fatigue side of things. Um, so I think they'll make... Potentially, they'll, they'll probably make a few changes. I think... I think James Anderson could be rested. And I think Moen Alley could return to the 11. Um, and Mark Wood, if he's fit, could replace Ollie Robinson in the side. So so I think they'll make a few changes. I think um, Anderson to be rested, maybe. Moen Alley to come back. Maybe Dan Lawrence to come in for Ollie Pope, just in case with that shoulder injury. Um, and probably Mark Wood to come back in for Ollie Robinson, who didn't really look at his best. In the uh, second test here at Laws, his pace was down. If Mark Wood is fit, I think England needed that little bit of rejuvenation with their bowling attack. And also Mark Wood can add that extra pace as well. Um, So their potential 11 for the third Ashes test at Henley could be uh, Crawley, Duckett, Pope or Lawrence. uh, Root, Brooke, Stokes, Bairstrow, Alley, Broad, Wood and Tongue. Uh, Let's talk about Australia and their potential 11 for the third Ashes test here at Headingley. I think Australia will obviously make a change. They'll have to make a force change. Obviously, Nathan Lyon being ruled out with a calf injury. Um, So I think, uh, obviously, Todd Murphy will come back in for Nathan Lyon, which is a straightforward replacement. Obviously, Todd Murphy uh, has done pretty well. He is the potential successor to Nathan Lyon. It's unfortunate that Nathan Lyon's out of the series, but Todd Murphy should do a good job, and he'll come into the eleven. that's for sure. Um, And I think Australia would make another change. I think Josh Hazelwood may be rested, and I think Scott Boland may come back in for him. So obviously Hazelwood's played two test matches on the trot. There's a short turnaround. Hazelwood's had some injury concerns in the past. I don't think Australia will want to risk it. So I think Scott Boland may be to come back in for Hazelwood. We shall see. So the potential 11 for the third Ashes Test for Australia could be Kawaja, Warner, Labashane, Smith, Head... Green, Kerry, Stark, Cummins, Murphy, Hazelwood, or Bolan. Now, who's going to win this third Ashes test from Headingley? Well, as we remember, back in 2019, we saw an incredible test match where Ben Stokes got England over the line um, to win by a wicket. Um, it's it's, it's going to be interesting because this test match, this, this Ashes series thus far has been pretty much based on fine margins. And the margin of victories have been very close. Australia won by two wickets in the first test. They won by 43 runs here at Lords in the second test. So both teams are, are, are pretty much um, you know, providing a great contest and some very entertaining cricket. But I just feel like with Australia, they're 2-0 up. Obviously, if they win here at Headingley... It will be a great story for Australia, because after what happened four years ago in 2019, if they win here at Headingley, I think that will sort of ease the pain of what happened at Headingley four years ago. If they can win here and retain the Ashes here at Headingley, I think it will be a fantastic achievement for Australia. They are very motivated. They only know that if we win one more test match, we just got to push hard for one more test match, we retain the Ashes and we will win the series For the first time in England since 2001. And that will be a fantastic achievement for Australia. So, whereas with England, um, they've got a lot of areas to fix. They're batting, they're bowling, uh, they've got a lot of issues, they've got a lot of questions to ask themselves. Um, But it's going to be tough for England, you know, to win three on the trot. It's only been done before, once, in a Nashor series. And that was in 1936-37 with Australia. And they had Don Bradman, so... It's going to be a tough road for England. I think Australia, you know, winning here at Lords, they just need to win one more test. I I think they should be able to get the job done at Headingley and uh, probably retain the Ashes. But, it's going to be an exciting test match, nonetheless. Now to finish off our review uh, of the second Ashes test from Lords today, my final thoughts on the test match and what I thought about the test, I've got to say it was an incredible test match again. obviously living up to expectations following the exciting test match at Edgebastion. We saw another cracking test match here at Lord's. Unfortunately, this test match will be marred by some controversies that happened in the test, but hopefully that doesn't um, sort of affect the memory of this test match all that often because we saw Ben Stokes produce a great innings, 155, which, which was an unbelievable innings, nearly got England over the line. Australia hung in there. They were able to get the job done. Um, it was just an exciting test match. But let's hope the controversies don't mar this um, this fantastic test match here at Lord's. Um, this series has produced some very entertaining cricket, some very good test matches. And let's hope we have an exciting test match at Headingley. That's for sure. Um, because this series has been a, a pretty good Ashes series thus far. Even though... Australia lead 2-0 in the series. Well, thanks everyone for listening to our second Ashes uh, review of the second Ashes test from Lords. Um, if you're listening to this episode of the podcast on YouTube, um, let us know in the comments your thoughts about the second Ashes test from Lords. We would love to hear what you have to say um, about the events and, and about the performances of both teams and maybe some of the controversies that happened in this um, in this second Ashes test. We would love to hear what you have to say on all of those things. Um, Obviously, um, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, Click the bell so you don't miss out on all of the Ashes episodes that are going to be coming out uh, during this Ashes series. Um, Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, uh, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. The podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. So thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, keep safe and bye for now.